God not only enters into our lives to transform us in and through His Holy Spirit, not only does He make home in our hearts, but He gives us gifts of service. Because when He calls, He also enables. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Over the last few Sundays, we have been spending our Sunday mornings looking at what is known as the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And today we are turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we read together verses 4 through 11. And you'll find it on page 1785 of the church Bible. Page 1785, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning at verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes these words, There are different kinds of gift, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one, just as He determines. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from His Holy Word. About four weeks ago, we started, as many of you know, a new series of studies looking at the Holy Spirit. And on that first Sunday together, we looked at the passage that we immediately think of when we think of the Holy Spirit, and we looked at Pentecost and the coming of the Spirit of God at Pentecost. And as we worked our way through that passage, it became fairly clear that when an individual comes to a living faith, that is the point when the Holy Spirit Himself comes to dwell within them and to transform them from the inside out. During that first Sunday, I tried to teach us the lesson, or at least to remind us of the biblical principle, is this, that from Pentecost onward, there is no longer simply an emotional or an intellectual understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, but in fact, He comes to dwell within us. And in coming to dwell within us, He then gives to us, and please hear this, the same moral and supernatural power that rose Christ from the dead now lives in us. That's a remarkable thing that we have reminded ourselves about and focused on over these last few weeks. That's the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. 
We've also said over these last few Sundays together that the Holy Spirit is not interested in a sterile or academic faith, but He's interested in a faith that is real and genuine and engages us in the messiness of everyday life. He's never remote or distant, but He's right there engaging with us. And today, as we come to 1 Corinthians 12, I want to use another passage we haven't looked at, but we have touched on it on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays, as many of you know, we have our Wednesday Advantage program and Wednesday lunchtime and Wednesday evening. Particularly Wednesday evening, we have events for children and youth. There are classes across our campus, and hundreds of people are here on Wednesday nights. And I've been leading the Bible study down in Fellowship Hall. We've been working our way through Psalm 139. And one of those passages says this, and this is King David in the Old Testament, in absolute awe of the purpose and power and presence of God, he says, where can I flee from your spirit? And I reminded the folks last Wednesday of that wonderful passage in John's Gospel, where Jesus, the night before he is about to die, he says this, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, because we will come and make our home in you. Now, think of that. We will come, Father, Son, and Spirit, and we will set up home in you, not as a hostel, not as a hotel, but we will take up permanent residency in your heart and soul. Now, I want you to hold that thought for a minute, give you an illustration which I trust will begin to ease us in to 1 Corinthians 12. So, please be patient with me. I said to the folks last Wednesday when we looked ever so briefly at this passage, that when I read that verse, I was reminded again, what does it mean to set up a home? And I began to think of what for me would be an ideal home and I probably would like to design a log cabin somewhere up towards Asheville or Montreat or Black Mountain. Not too large, not too small. It would have to have a fireplace, stone fireplace. I'd like it to be a log fire, but quite honestly, I would like the convenience of gas rather than lighting it and, and having to, to deal with all that. Then I imagine there's a leather recliner in there somewhere in a sizable living room, but I'd also want a fair-sized kitchen to invite family and friends over on a Friday evening, and we could sit around the table talking, as Shakespeare said, talking of the deaths of kings, enjoying fellowship. I'd want a rocking chair out in the porch. So, in the summer months, in the spring, I could sit there early in the morning with a cup of tea or coffee and read the Scriptures and pray and just rock back and forward. And that, for me, would seem to be idealistic. But when the Holy Spirit comes into the life of an individual and He sets up home in our lives, He never simply sets up home in the way we would imagine. Because when He comes into our lives, He often remodels that home in the kitchen, he pushes out the back wall, and he extends the dining area, and he removes some of the cabinets, or he may remodel the bathroom. 
And if any of you have lived in a house that has undergone reconstruction or remodeling, you will know what that is like. You begin excitedly when husband and wife and children stand around the kitchen and say, now, if we did push out that wall a little, and then before we know it, it's not enough to push out the wall, but we need new lights. And then we think, well, maybe if we're putting in new lights, we should put in new plumbing. And if we're putting in new plumbing, it means new appliances. And of course, the project starts at this size, and before you know it, it becomes much larger. And you do get excited. And then when the contractors arrive, what do they do? They bring vans and trucks, and they park outside, and your neighbors have difficulty negotiating along the street. And then arrives a dumpster, and it's a mess and an eyesore to the entire neighborhood. And you know quite sure that they've said to you, we will be in and out in 10 days from the beginning to the end. How has that worked for you so far? Most of us know that, of course, there's always a snag somewhere along the line. And, of course, even with the best contractors in town, there's additional work to be done, and, of course, it gets more expensive and adds a few more days. And somewhere in the middle of it all, when the cabinets are being pulled out and the rewiring's taking place and the tiles are going down and the plasterer is there, it's dirty and it's messy and dust is everywhere, especially the kitchen, which is the heart of the home, and you think, oh, I wish I'd never started this. And then, of course, your husband or your wife comes alongside and says, it will be all worth it when it's finished. And it will be. And so you look forward with great anticipation of what's going on. And contractors and architects will tell you it's not good advice to take on two major construction projects in your house at the same time. That's good advice. And if God has you and I under construction, when He is remodeling, pushing out that back wall, extending the dining area, remodeling the bathroom, if we are under construction as individuals, which is God's number one construction project, He often begins a second construction project in the life of a congregation. And when Paul writes to the church at Corinth in chapter 12, he's saying to them, you're under construction. And the Spirit of God is at work. And we're under construction by His Holy Spirit. And please notice, as we come to verse 4, when He talks about spiritual gifts. Now, so far, we've been focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart and mind and soul of the individual. And we looked last Sunday at how to nourish that, nourish that relationship. Here in verse 4, we read, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Paul is beginning to say to the church in Corinth that when you are the church that God has called you to be, understand this, that God will give to you the gifts of the Holy Spirit in order to be the church He wants you to be. And that's what he's saying here. And he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge 
by means of the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by that one Spirit. Do you see the point he's making? He's saying that God not only enters into our lives to transform us in and through His Holy Spirit, not only does He make home in our hearts, but He gives us gifts of service, because when He calls, He also enables. And that's what chapter 12 is about, the enabling of God the Holy Spirit to be in service. And notice what he says. He says he gives one the Spirit, excuse me, through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith. Now, what does he mean by that? Have you ever found yourself at lunch with a close friend, or maybe just out for cup of coffee with someone you know well. They enter into a conversation, and you ask them about family and friends. You will ask them about their children, parents, how are things going, what's happening at work, how are the children at school or college. And the conversation gets to another level, and then it becomes deeper and more intimate. And the conversation gets very personal and they begin to tell you about the difficulties they're going through, problems they're facing, challenge at work. And suddenly, before you know it, that conversation's got deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and you find yourself listening and engaging and empathizing and understanding what's been said, and you're seeking to listen and then encourage, and you're engaging with them. That's what Paul is meaning here when he talks about you find yourself from time to time in a situation where the wisdom you didn't know you have, you were able to what? Share with another and encourage them. And that might be as simple as putting your arm around them and telling them that you love them, you know what they're going through, you're praying for them, and you're encouraging them. Please don't overlook the normal, the ordinary, the mundane, and the everyday when the Spirit of God is at work. Moments that you never thought you would find yourself in. And God has not only called you for that moment, but He's given you the wisdom and the insight and the ability to converse and be able to help and be of service to that other individual. That makes a world of a difference. Do you think of yourself as being gifted by the Holy Spirit in these areas? Each Monday afternoon around 1.30, the pastoral staff get together, and we look at how did the Sunday morning service go. We look at what are the issues we are having to deal with in congregational care, and we will talk about someone who's just gone into hospital or someone who's just gone out of hospital. We will talk about someone who's just had a baby. We'll talk about someone who has, is going through grief and bereavement process, and we pray for the individuals involved. And that congregational care component takes up a fair bit of time on a Monday. And occasionally, one of us will say, do you know, last week, so-and-so came to see me, 
You'll never guess what they said. They said, I think God is calling me to be a pastor. And those are the conversations that pastors love to have, and we'll say, well, sit down and tell me a little more. And the conversation often goes like this. Well, for the last 10 or 12 months, I've really been wrestling with, I think, a call to go into the ministry. And inevitably, the pastor will then say, well, tell me a little more and tell me why. The person will say, well, I'm not quite sure, but I just can't get enough of reading the Scriptures. And over the last 10 to 12 months, I've been in them every day, and my prayer life has moved to a new level. And I'm looking forward to Sunday morning and to worship, and it feels as if I've been going through this period of deep, abiding intimacy with the living God. That's a good sign. But the trouble with that conversation is this, that we as a congregation tend to think that the call of God and the enabling of God the Holy Spirit is only for those who are called into public ministry. And certainly He does do that. But here in chapter 12, Paul is saying, no, look at verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one. If I was to ask you this morning and go around the congregation with a survey saying, now tell me, what do you think your special gift from the Holy Spirit is? Or there might be multiple gifts. What do you think it is? I think most of us would say, oh, well, and we usually start with what we can't do. And we usually start with, well, I don't think I could sing in the choir on a Sunday morning. These guys do such a good job. I just, that's not my gift. Or you might say, I could never be an elder or a deacon. Uh, I couldn't teach a Sunday school class or lead a Bible study group. Or I'm not sure I could be an usher. Uh, or I don't think I could sit in a committee question this morning is not what you're not called to do, but what is the particular gifting that God has given you? That's the Holy Spirit at work. And if you're still saying, well, Richard, I'm listening, I'm hearing all you've got to say, I'm understanding it, my question is this, how do I know the gift the Holy Spirit has given me. Well, verse 12, the passage we didn't read, he gives us a second analogy. And there he says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and now we are all given one Spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. Do you see the point he's making? He's using the analogy of the body, and he says, in order for the body to function as it was designed, each part has to, has to function properly. And how do we function properly? 
we function properly with the right amount of nourishment, and then exercise, and then rest. That's a healthy body. And you might be sitting there this morning saying, okay, Richard, I see that, but if I was to choose any particular part of the body, I would choose to be a hand, strong, sensitive, someone that reaches out, someone that gives someone else a hand up, someone that puts their arm around another person and prays for them. I think I could probably be a hand. Maybe there's someone else this morning saying, yeah, I probably could be a hand, but where I'm really passionate, if I had to choose, and forgive me, this will sound silly, you may be saying, I choose to be a brain, because I like to think, and I like to analyze, and I like to plan and strategize, and I like to see all that's going on. And if I was to serve somewhere, it may be in that area. That's what I do for a living. Maybe God has given me some naturally endowed gifts and abilities He then takes and transforms and uses to serve others. Strategic planning may be your area of expertise. Or maybe you're sitting there and saying, Richard, oh, the thing I need most this morning is a rest. I've been working as an elder or a deacon for the last six years. One of my children are in college, the other is in school, and just so busy I couldn't serve anywhere else. And if that describes you, you do need to sit down and rest. Remember, nourishment, exercise, and rest. And it may be that you simply need your soul nourished. You need, to sit, you need to sit back for a period and allow the Lord to minister to you and deal with all of the busyness and the clutter and the times you've gone through and you think, oh, I really need to remember the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe that's you. A healthy body functions properly with the right balance of food and nourishment and exercise and rest. Now, you may be getting a little frustrated this morning, and you're saying, Richard, I've heard all that, but my question still is this. How do I know that God has called me and enabled me and given me a particular or a special kind of gift in order to serve His people here at First Pres? Well, let me suggest three things and wrap things up with a challenge. Number one, you've heard me say it already, the first thing God does in calling a person to serve is nourish your soul. So, the first thing God is going to do before He gives you a sense of where He wants you to work and minister and serve is He's going to spend time in intimacy with you. He's going to encourage you and bless you. He's going to stir you up and give you a passion and a longing desire, first for Him and then for His church. That's how it will begin. And so, He'll nourish your soul. That's the first thing that happens. 
The second is this. When he calls an individual, he will also open up a door of opportunity for you to serve. Now, let me be as practical as I can. If you are there this morning and you're saying, Richard, I will serve anywhere except the children's department or the youth department, the chances are you are not called to serve in the children or the youth's department. You might say, Richard, I never want to sit in another committee again. Well, strategic planning is not for you. You may be in the children or the youth department. What are you passionate about? Where do you long to serve? Is it with young mothers? Is it with youth? Is it with our elderly housebound? Is it on the door on a Sunday morning as a greeter? Has God given you a teaching ministry where you could lead a Sunday school and teach from time to time? What are the areas that He has given you a passion for? And finally, and here is the third point I need you to take away. This week, prayerfully, gently be saying, Father, enable me to be sensitive to Your Holy Spirit. Where is He calling me? What are the gifts He has given me? And for those of you who are tired and simply want and need to rest, and you're a little like the husband and wife at the beginning of our study this morning, you're halfway through the reconstruction, and you're tempted to look around and shake your head and say, oh, I wish I'd never started this. Please hear this. When God begins a remodeling or a construction work in your life, He looks at you and never, ever, ever says, I wish I'd never started this. He does the very opposite. He who began a good work in you will bring it to fruition at the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. And that's what God does. When He calls, He nourishes, gives opportunity, and then enables. And that's the distinctive work of the Holy Spirit. Are we listening and sensitive to Him this morning? May God grant it to be so. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this wonderful passage of Scripture. Thank You that You work in our lives each day. Thank You that You often bring friends around us in the normal, routine, mundane days to encourage us, to uplift us, to pray for us, and they bring to us words of wisdom or knowledge or insight from Your Holy Spirit. Father, when You are remodeling us, give us patience. Grant us a feel and a sense of all that You are doing, and may we be thankful and grateful to see You at work. Father, help us, please, to be a fully functioning body of the Holy Spirit as you work in our lives. 
Father, bless us, please, in the week to come and enable us, please, to be sensitive to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you missed a Sunday? Go to our website to watch previous broadcasts, download a podcast, or purchase a CD or DVD. And don't forget to connect with First Press by liking us on Facebook and Twitter, signing up to receive emails, or requesting prayer online.